Hi friends, and welcome to Robcast number 22. And this one is called Light, Heavy, Light. And I'm so glad that you're listening. I started this uh, podcast in January. Kristen had had the idea, and my friends Dan and Stratton had said, hey, you should do a podcast. So I borrowed a mic from my um, one of my boys and just plugged it into my computer and just recorded myself talking, and then we released it, and then you all started listening. And I have to say, the feedback, the love, the support, the unbelievably funny comments that you have sent to me, this has just been extraordinary. So to all you who are listening, especially those of you who feel alone, who feel like your journey, like no one around you gets the journey that you're on, um, I'm with you, and I'm so glad that we all we all get to explore this together. How great is that? Um, and speaking of my son's mic that I've been borrowing now for five months, um, I the, the interviews that I've done, especially last week's with Elizabeth Gilbert, which was so great. Is she not unbelievable? She's my sister from a different mister. Um, the mic quality wasn't that great because I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm telling you right now, I'm going to up my game. I'm actually going to get two mics. And I'm gonna move from QuickTime to something other program that actually lets me do two mics. So I'm just telling you, I'm gonna evolve and the sound will be better. Part of it is just me talking into a mic and seeing what happens. Um, And now what I'm seeing happens is doing an interview with one mic doesn't work that well. So thank you for the feedback. We will up the game. Now, today for Robcast number 22, I have a studio audience of two. Hannah and Trip Crosby are here. Do you guys wanna say hi? Hi, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Some of you may know Trip from Trip and Tyler, the very, very funny duo, um, and he's just sending some love to Tyler. So Tyler, hi, from me as well, and Hannah as well. Um, now, uh, I have a new website, by the way, robbell.com, and it's all new, and there's lots of interesting things to explore on there, including a place where you can um, give us your email so that... Um, I send out emails on a regular basis of just uh, places I'm going to be and things I'm up to um, so that you can find out about those sorts of things, including next week we're doing an event here called Keep Going. And it's all about courage. It's all about growth. How do you grow as a human and stay sane? And uh, Carlton Cuse, my friend who made the show Lost and Bates Motel and the movie San Andreas, that's all... um, He's just a beloved friend, and Carlton's going to be speaking, and I'll be speaking. I'll be doing a whole bunch of new teachings, and then Vicki Beeching will be here from London, and Pete Rollins, and uh, Kristen will be talking, and then Pete Holmes and I will be doing something as well. So anyway, that's next week. If you're the wait to the last minute and then do it, we still have some spots. We would love to see you. All that info is at robbell.com. And then, of course, this summer, I'm coming to your city or a city near you. Um, and I'm doing, uh, the first leg of the everything is spiritual tour month of July. We're doing 32 cities starting in LA, then San Diego, then Phoenix, and then going around the country. And I would love to see you there. So all that info is at, uh, my website. But today I want to talk about light, heavy, and then light, lightness, heaviness, and then lightness. Um, There's a story, I just finished this tour with Pete Holmes, our Together at Last tour, and there was a story I was telling on the tour, and what's interesting to me is each time I would tell the story, I felt like I found a little more depth 
in it. And it opened up a whole new, you know that feeling when you, all of a sudden you have language for something that you're feeling. So what I wanna do is I wanna tell you that story and then I wanna tell you what it's been doing to me and then I wanna give you a way to think about things that involves light, heavy, and then light. So uh, spring of 2006, I got this invitation to go do an event with Bishop Tutu and Dalai Lama. Have I ever told you about this? Mm -hmm. And they said, we want to put you on a stage in an arena, and Rabbi Rosen will be there from Jerusalem, and Ingrid Marsden, a Muslim scholar, and Roshi Joan Halifax, who's a Buddhist nun. We're going to put you on a stage with um, the Dalai Lama and Bishop Tutu and you, and then people are going to be able to ask any question they want, and then you all will just respond, which is my idea of a good time. So I go to this event, and it's just fantastic. And in the morning, they said, before the event, we're going to have a breakfast with Bishop Tutu and Dalai Lama. So I said, I'm, I'm there. So I'm in, the, um, in this area where there's like these breakfast tables, and I'm standing there, and Dalai Lama comes in the room from one side, and Bishop Tutu comes in the, from the other side. And they walk towards each other, and they meet right in front of me. Like I'm, well... <laughs> This is a podcast, so just imagine me standing here, and one of them is right here on my right, one of them is on my left, and they meet right in front of me. And do you know what Bishop Tutu and Dalai Lama do when they meet each other? They lean in, they, they're friends from way back, they lean in and they hug each other, and then they tickle each other and they begin giggling. And the giggle is, they giggle, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a squeaky sound you shouldn't make in public, you know what I mean? It, and I'm standing there like, what is protocol when Dalai Lama and Bishop Tutu are giggling and tickling each other and you're right there? Do you give them a bear hug? Do you like, come on, guys, bring it in. Um, good times, good times. Do you, what do you do? I did what you did, obviously. I just ever so calmly reached in my pocket, pulled out my phone and got a picture. <laughs> so I have this picture actually on my phone. Um, and, and. Then they put them, the two of them sat down in stuffed chairs on this little um, slightly raised stage and the rest of us sat around them and they just began to have this conversation. And uh, like at one point, <laughs> it was funny, like truly funny. And at like at one point, the Dalai Lama like stared at Bishop Tutu for a minute and then he says, have you gained weight? <laughs> and it was like funny, not, not trying to be funny, truly genuinely funny. And when Bishop Tutu would talk, he did this like impromptu kind of talk sermon homily on God is your mother um, from uh, the book of Isaiah. Like, how could I forget you? Could a mother forget the child that she's nursed? But the way he would say it, how can I forget you? Like the, even the way they would say it, it was, it was absolutely overwhelming. And what was so overwhelming about it was that these are two people who have seen some of the worst suffering that has happened on the planet. And yet when you're with them, what you don't pick up is the heaviness and the weight of how broken the world is. What you pick up from them is joy, like a bass note, like a explosive well that's just been tapped, like an overflowing, spilling, sort of nuclear joy that just rolls off them effortlessly. Now think about what they've seen, like Bishop Tutu with the uh, reconciliation movement in sub-Saharan Africa. What happened during genocide was a person, a whole group of people would go into a village and slaughter everybody in the village with machetes. 
and some few people survived. And now years later, what's happened is the person who took a machete into this village and killed this other person's wife, kids, husband, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles. The person who survived stands in front of the and stands in front of their tribe in their village and the person who macheted to death all of their living relatives apologizes to them in front of the village and then this person forgives them in front of the village and there are a number of documented cases where the two of them became friends this is what bishop tutu has been up to and then Dalai Lama, I mean, think about people who are like, you know, I got some haters at work. You know, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is giving me a hard time. Dalai Lama has some people who are giving him a hard time. China. You have some haters on Facebook. Dalai Lama has some haters. China. Okay? So this is what, imagine living in exile. Imagine being told you can't go home. And there's a very, very large military force that will prevent you from going to your home. So think about the kinds of evil and oppression and suffering these two have seen. And yet when I was sitting there listening to them, what I was not overwhelmed with is how evil the world is. What I was overwhelmed with was joy, laughter, a certain sense of connection, a certain playfulness, a childlikeness, which is very different than childish. There's a distinction to made between childish and childlike. How do you, how do you get there? See, there's lightness. There is lightness which is oblivious, which is naive, which is the denial of how the world really is. Lightness is manifest most loudly in our culture with pop music. You know those annoying songs? You know the song that's always basically there's some version of, I put my hands in the air because I just don't care? There's always that song that's at the top of the charts, which is basically plug your ears, close your eyes, just pretend everything is fine, and just dance the night away. And there's obviously a time and a place to dance the night away. But nevertheless, you know what I'm talking about. It's that sense of whatever you do, just pretend like nothing horrible is happening. There is lightness that comes from refusing to acknowledge just how dark it is. Then there are those who don't live in that place of lightness, they have moved into the heaviness of things. They are aware, hyper aware, of how overwhelmingly broken the whole thing is. There's rage, pain, dark clouds, black hole sun. You see this oftentimes in art. For some people, it's just, just make shiny, happy faces and we'll be fine. Then you see people like, no, 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 you don't understand what it's like. And so it's dark, it's black, it's foreboding, it's ominous. Perhaps you are in that place right now. Do you ever have that feeling when you catch yourself in the middle of the day thinking, are we losing or are we winning? Is it light or is it dark? Do you ever have those moments when there's like this existential dread that sort of lands, it sort of hovers over you like a cloud? Those, those days when it feels like, oh no, we're not going to be fine. Or maybe it's like a couple of little events that are linked together in such a way that you just think, we are all totally screwed. <laughs> you know, it's that feeling, and it's not just in your mind, it's somewhere in your heart. Why even get out of bed in the morning? The heaviness of it all. It's easy to get stuck there, isn't it? You don't wanna be the lightness of just oblivious, naive, pretending like everything's fine, but the heaviness, it's easy to get stuck there. 
it's easy to get stuck in we're all going to die. There's no, there's no point to any of it. Beauty is just a fleeting mirage. And so you're just stuck there. But then there are those people who keep going. They move from light to heavy, but they keep going and they push through to the other side. It's like they, they hung in there for the whole Friday and they eventually got to Sunday. And when those people talk about how it's all good, it's not the shallow, it's all good of a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. It's the, it's all good because they've been all the way through the heaviness and they've made it to the lightness on the other side. And that's, I realize now what was happening when I was with Bishop Tutu and Dalai Lama is I was experiencing lightness on the other side of heaviness. There's lightness, there's heaviness, and then there's a whole nother kind of lightness that does not ignore or deny the heaviness. It transcends, includes it, and then moves beyond it. It swallows it up with its joy and power. So what would it be like for you to live with that kind of lightness? Not the lightness of cluelessness, but the lightness of awareness. What does it look like? Well, first off, if you deny the heaviness, it will appear somewhere else. Have you ever noticed in Scottsdale, Arizona, when you're driving down the street, how many goth kids there are? Anytime a culture, you like that one? <laughs> Anytime a culture suppresses the heaviness, it will appear somewhere else. Towns do this. I'm not picking on Scottsdale. Much love to Scottsdale. But anytime a town has lots and lots of golf, lots of malls, and lots of plastic surgery, anytime there's a denial of uh, how the whole thing is just hanging on by a thread and we're all going to die, what you'll notice is somewhere else, usually it's high school kids, will go, if you're not going to acknowledge the suffering and the pain, if you're going to live in denial, then I'm going to wear it on my body. I'm going to paint my fingernails black. I'm going to scream at you. This is the, this is the, I was actually going to call this Robcast the importance of skulls. You realize the importance of a skull is we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And part of the heaviness and part of the problem with some art forms is they don't go far enough into the heaviness. The heaviness is we're all going to die. The whole thing is barely hanging on. And there's lots of evil and suffering, and all of your worst fears might actually come true. Now, we'll get to that in a second, but hang on there. Think about this in terms of human history. A couple of thousand years ago, your siblings were born probably in the tent where you all lived. So think about that. The entrance into the world, you were around. Your mom disappeared behind a flap for a couple of days, and then out came your brother covered in blood. And then when your grandpa died or your grandma died, they didn't go to a hospital several miles away where you had to hang out in the, in the waiting room. Grandpa went in the corner of the tent and laid down and stopped breathing. So think about in ancient cultures, life and death were like right there. They did not happen in tile-floored, fluorescent-lighted rooms on the other side of town. All of these realities happened probably right in the tent where you lived and slept and maybe even ate your meals. So what has happened now in our culture is the, the presence of life and death and just how fragile and fleeting the whole thing is, we are insulated from it. And when you live in a culture that doesn't know what to do with the heaviness 
of how we're just here for a couple of years, then it manifests itself in other ways. Billions of dollars spent on plastic surgery so that we can pretend like we're not getting older. Or what do young boys do in our culture? They play video games where they do what? Shoot things. It's avoiding death. It's, de it's, it's an overabundance of death and shooting and blood and violence. And I know I'm sounding haranguing like a preacher here, but here's the thing. Whenever a culture does not face the very heaviness of life, it will just come up in different forms. So what happens is we live in this culture that doesn't know what to do with heaviness. And then you have genres of art. Grunge, remember that from like the early 90s, was awesome at naming the pain. But my friends, if you stay stuck in heavy and you don't move from light to heavy and keep going into light, then you end up being stunted. Then you're just stuck singing about the pain. Do you see the power of it? It's light, it's heavy, and then you keep going through heavy to the other side, which is lightness. Now, how do you do it? Here's how you do it. You go all the way into the heart of your deepest fears and worries. That's what you do. See, a lot of people are stuck in heaviness because they don't go far enough into it. They see the suffering in the world. They see hunger. They see Ebola or whatever the next crisis is. They see injustice. They see Baltimore. They see Ferguson. They think they see the environmental catastrophe that we've created. For the problem for many people is they stay stuck in the heavy, weary, black cloud feeling because they don't go far enough. So let's say you're a business owner and you live with this low-grade anxiety that the thing might not make it. And so you're very aware of the heaviness. How do you move to lightness? Go all the way into the heart of your fears. Here's the deal. Your business might not make it. You might, you might be filing chapter 11. You might be paper or plastic, or just paper in a couple of years. You might lose. The whole thing might go belly up. You might get sued. All of the worst things that could happen, I'm smiling as I say this, they could happen. Do you realize that? If you're a mom and you are terrified about all these terrible things that could happen to your kids, those things might happen. Your kid might end up a drug addict. They might end up in prison. This happens to mothers. Now stay with me here because you have to go into the heart of it. Because if you go into the heart of it, here's what happens. If you keep going all the way, eventually you push through and you realize, but you're here today and you do get to try it. You do get to try that business. You do get to try that job. Maybe you're a student and you're terrified that there might not be a job waiting for you on the other side. That's true. You might be working at Starbucks. It might not work out. You may get trained in something that no one cares about and no one's hiring for. But here's the thing. If you go all the way into the heart of your worst fear and anxiety, what you'll realize is you have today and you get to study this and you get to give it a shot you get to raise this kid and you only have today and the joy of trying it today. See, the problem with heaviness is it clings to things and it becomes addicted to outcomes. Oftentimes the heaviness comes because people cannot acknowledge how much they can't control and so they lose all the joy because they're gripping it so tightly. See, here's the problem with white knuckling it. You're trying to control the outcome. You're trying to get guarantees on that business, the education. You're trying to get a guarantee that your kid won't be screwed up, but we don't get guarantees. Our desperate addiction to certainty and guarantees. You know what it does? It robs you of the joy of this moment, which is you get to try it now. 
See, this is why the people who have seen how wrong everything can go are the ones who are often the ones who live with that lightness we're talking about. When you've seen how horrible it can all go, then you realize the only proper response is to cherish this moment, this gesture, this day, this act, this attempt. You get a few years to raise this kid. You don't get any guarantees, but you do get this moment to enjoy that kid, to give your best shot at being their mom or dad. And that's what you get. See, lightness on the other side isn't because they don't acknowledge the heaviness, but it's what happens when you go all the way into the heart of the heaviness. You aren't scared anymore when you face down your worst fears. When you realize everything could go wrong, this whole thing could go belly up. It could spin completely out of control. It could be a black hole of failure. Yeah, but right now it isn't. Right now, it's this wondrous, miraculous thing called your life that you get to live. Now, there is an ancient wisdom tradition about lightness. We're not the first people to stumble across this. What's interesting, like in the middle of the Bible is the book of Ecclesiastes. And what is the book of Ecclesiastes about? It is, I call it the wisdom after wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes is meaningless, 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 says the teacher, which the literal word there is vapor. It's all like mist, vapor. It's here and then it's gone. But what does the writer of the Ecclesiastes keep coming back to? This is classic ancient wisdom. Eat drink, enjoy the day, enjoy your friends, enjoy this meal. It's all meaningless. It's all vapor. I've seen all the injustice done under the sun. You work and you work and you work, and then you hand your bank account off to someone else when you die. What's the point of it all? I'll tell you what the point of it all is you have today. You have these few good years. You get to do something with them. Lightness, heaviness, and then there are those few people who push through to the other side. See, when you realize how fragile the whole thing is, when you realize how death could be just around the corner, when you realize how we're all just hanging on barely, that's actually where the strength and the robust vitality comes from. That's why when I'm with Tutu and Dalai Lama, I'm so impressed, not just with their lightness, but with their strength, is when you're willing to face all of your worst fears about what could happen, and you realize all you're left with is this moment, well, now you are free to actually enjoy it. When I started out, uh, I preached my first sermon when I was 21, and I remember in that moment knowing this is what I was supposed to do with my life. And I was so driven. Um, I just wanted to talk to people and create space where people could meet the divine, whatever that looks like. And everything that could go wrong. I've had people pass out while I'm speaking, not for good reasons. <laughs> I've had people have seizures. I've had hecklers, lots of protesters with big signs out front of venue when I pulled up to speak there. You name it. Everything that could go wrong has. I've had sound systems blow up. One time I was speaking and a dog came in and walked up on the stage and then walked off the stage and no one said anything about the dog. One time I did a wedding and the groom was going to sing a song to the bride, but he got up with the guitar to sing a song to his bride and he forgot the words. Everything that could go wrong has. 
And so that's why it's so fun. <laughs> that's why it's such joy. Really? That thing might go wrong? Ooh. See, what happens when you face down all your worst fears is they lose their power. Oh, my kid might embarrass me. Your kid embarrassed you. Oh, what's going to happen now? My kid's going to embarrass me. It's already happened and you're here. It's already happened and you're here. See, the lightness on the other side of heaviness can hold it lightly because you went through the heaviness. It doesn't mean the heaviness isn't there. You transcended it, but you still included it. It's right there. You're aware of it. You know how many people are going to bed hungry each night. You know how much domestic violence there is. You know Ferguson. You know Baltimore. You know that the world is barely hanging on, and yet you're here, and you get to try this life that only you could live. Listen to this passage. This is a letter uh, from one of the first Christians to uh, his friends in the city of Corinth. This is a man named Paul. And he says, As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. This is a man who started a riot in the city of Ephesus where roughly 20,000 people wanted to kill him. Have you ever had 20,000 people trying to kill you? This is the sort of thing this writer has been at. So when he says beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, and then he says in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. Now we're about to get scriptural, my friends. Notice what he says. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Come on. What does he say? I've had riots. I've been beaten. And there were very specific laws in the first century about how to beat somebody. And so what we know from those laws is that the beating wouldn't just be like a belt. It would have been bad, really bad, like lots of skin taken off your back so that your spine was exposed, that kind of bad. He says, I've been considered in, I've been considered an imposter. I've been considered a traitor. I've been considered a heretic. I've been beaten. He lists all the things that have happened to him, and yet he says, living on. I may be poor, but I'm making people rich. I may be sorrowful, and yet I am filled with rejoicing. This is the lightness on the other side of heaviness. I want you to take your hands and make fists with them, like make like white knuckled fists and think about all the things that you are gripping way too tightly. Outcomes you are trying to control. Think about the people that you are trying to make into a particular image of yourself, let's be honest. Moms, dads, all the ways in which you are trying to control who this kid becomes. And then here's what I want you to do. Dig those fingernails into the palm of your hand like some serious white knuckling. And then, let's open up those palms. Let's open up those hands. You see that feeling? That's the move from heaviness to lightness. By the way, now that your palms are open, you can actually receive interesting things. Yeah, see when you're white knuckling it, you're pretty closed off. And that's why the people who have moved from heaviness into lightness have a certain childlike expectation and anticipation. 
Because when you stop trying to control everything and when you stop avoiding and denying your fears about how bad it could all turn out, now you're actually in the place where you can receive. You can receive the joy and now you can actually do something about the suffering of the world. Have you ever heard somebody trying to convince you to give money to their cause or to join their humanitarian effort and it wasn't compelling? And they were showing you slides of like how many children that they're rescuing and somehow you just didn't care? And I, here, here's, my, here's my guess. My guess is when you heard that person trying to either raise money or they were trying to get you to sign up for their thing, my guess is that they were bringing it from a place of heaviness. And it was genuine and heartfelt and they may have quoted lots of statistics, maybe even Bible verses. But I bet one of the reasons why you weren't moved is because they were stuck in the heaviness of it. And they, they handed their heaviness to you, which is, it's up to us to fix this problem. Now, it may actually be up to you to fix this problem, but there is a spirit of it. See, the people who have moved to lightness, they're just as passionate and just as driven, but it's not a, we have to do this, it's we get a shot at making a difference here. And this is what we're doing, and these are the results we're seeing. Can you believe we get to try this? See, heaviness is still stuck in duty and obligation and the weight of it. We have to do this. Lightness moves to, let's try and alleviate this suffering and see what happens. Let's try to make a difference with these kids. Let's, treat, let's try to teach those people to read. Let's go visit those people in prison. It has a certain lightness to it. And what it does is it woos you, it seduces you. Something within you says, I only have a few years too, you're right. And the whole thing is just barely hanging on. And it all really could go belly up. But if I'm gonna do something with my time, I might as well do this because there might be joy here. See, the engine of the universe is joy. It's a Trinitarian dance at the base of the universe. We, are we get to enter into this. We get to actually take part in the joy of the universe. And oftentimes, until you've seen how bad it can go, you don't understand what that invitation really means. You and I get to do something with this life. We get to enter into this joy. And it is a joy that is not on top of the heaviness, it's under the heaviness. You have to swim all the way through the heaviness. You have to face all your fears, all your worries, all your anxieties, all of your efforts to try to control the world around you. When you give that up and you embrace how impermanent, fleeting, temporary, and fragile it is, now you can actually live. Now you can actually live. You should never feel guilty about your joy. <laughs> I love that. You should never feel guilty. See, for many people, joy feels like it's offensive to those who are suffering. For many people, joy feels guilty because it feels like, yeah, but so many people struggle. The only response to how many people struggle, the only healthy response in the end is joy. We're here. Not that people are struggling, but that you're here, that you have life, and you get to share this life, maybe even bringing some joy to others. See, when you can face up to joy as the engine of the universe, now you actually can help people because you're dangerous. 
because you're not living with all that anxiety. You have moved from heaviness into lightness. Lightness, heaviness, lightness. So to wrap it up, is there any way, let's say you're a student, parent, you're in business, you've got a work you're doing, is there any way in which you have been bogged down in the heaviness? You're waking up in the morning with a, a loaded sense of, oh, another day, what's even the point of it? Just go all the way into that. You're asking the right question, but just keep asking the question until you find the lightness on the other side. You get to live your life. No one's lived your life before. You get to face all of its challenges and obstacles. No one's ever done this before. First off, take it easy on yourself. But then second, you get to try this. Is there anybody listening? You have lost that wide-eyed sense of expectation and exploration about your own life. You get to find out what it is to be you in June of 2015. No one has ever gotten to figure this out before. You're the first one. So do it and then report back to us. We, <laughs> that is the weirdest thing, but it makes me laugh. Live your life and then report back to us what you find out. Lightness, heaviness, and then lightness. We need you to move into that kind of lightness because then you're dangerous. Then you actually can make a difference. Then you can say, we're going to feed those people. We're going to educate those people. We're going to build that better product. When you're in that lightness, now you can actually do things. You can actually make a difference. You can actually throw yourself into you being you. And that's what we all need. May you, my brothers and sisters, in your sorrow be always rejoicing. May you in your poverty be making many rich. In your riots, beatings, and imprisonments almost killed, may you be more alive than ever. May you move from lightness into heaviness, but may you keep moving and experience the lightness on the other side. And may grace and peace be with you.